over a decade of experience in video games, and all he has to show for it is this stupid podcast. It's Behind the Line Radio, with your host, Kinetic, and it starts now. Welcome everyone to Behind the Line Radio. Today we're going to revisit a topic that we had and have a bit of a continuation. Uh, joining me today, we have Judge Greg. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Nick. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. And uh, you spent your weekend out at PAX. I did. I was at uh, PAX East in Boston. Uh, yeah, so that's where I was this weekend. That was a fun time. Yeah. So... If you haven't guessed, this is going to be us continuing our topic about uh, conventions and trade shows and stuff. But now with actual, like, timely news and stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, I've actually seen some stuff and can talk about what I've seen. And uh, and it wasn't like yeah. when I went to GDC and spent one day there and was mostly attending talks and less interesting things. I can say I did not attend a single talk. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody talked there. Nobody. Nobody talked. It was all silence. It was very refreshing. I is all sounds of footfalls on carpet. Yes. So, um, let's. I suppose I'll just start. What do you think was uh, the spotlight stealing most impressive thing you saw at the show? Most impressive thing I saw. I'm glad you asked. There was a a game demo that I actually took a look at. You're hearing me flip through my notes because I I have like pages and pages of notes. So there was a a game that I tried out. Uh, called Perception. And I think it was my my favorite thing from the show. Uh, it's It was made by the same people that did uh, Bioshock. Huh. Some of the same people. That, like, like people, I, not the company. Right, right. Not the company, the same the same people. Uh, actually, the creative developer was one of the creative developers on the, the first Bioshock who was there and I was I was talking to. So it's made by the, the Deep End Games, the people who actually make it. Uh, I don't actually know the name of the of the gentleman I was talking to, which is horrible because I talked to him for quite a while, actually. Um, and it seemed like it was one of those really awkward conversations where it seemed like I was every time I told him something, I, I was almost backhandedly criticizing him in a way I didn't mean to. Hmm. Like because he asked me one of the questions like because uh, we talked about Bioshock and he uh he said, so did you like Bioshock Infinite? And I said, no. And like, you know, I don't I really don't like when I'm playing a first person shooter and the guy I'm playing as has a lot of voice and he's like injecting himself into it. Like if you're putting me in his eyes, don't put his voice in my head. He said at that point, just let me stay silent and let me project. And so this is of course a first person game where he mentions like, Oh, that's interesting. You say that because our game has a lot of voice and interaction. (laughs) Like, Oh no. Oh, did not mean that. Uh, but he, it was actually, he, he had, I, I was trying to backtrack at that point. I'm like, oh shoot, I just insulted this guy. And his, his wife wrote the dialogue and I'm like, oh great. I insulted his wife too. I'm like, let me just back out of here before you start throwing punches. <laughs> <laughs> Does this bicycle have a reverse gear? Yeah. I'm like, holy cow. I didn't, you asked, you know, like that's my opinion, but. Well, uh, I, I, hopefully you, you phrased it well enough that this is your personal preference, not like. Yeah, no, it's not like I said, like, any person who voices a first-person protagonist <laughs> should die. I didn't say that. <laughs> but he ended up saying, like, he was he was really, not, like, polite about it, saying, like, you know, we actually got a lot of feedback similar to that. So they included an option in the game where you can turn off the, the narration. Hmm. And so basically the character only speaks in narrative critical parts. Hmm. But it could be – so the, the, the whole – 
the point of the game is that you're uh, you play as a blind girl, uh, and you've sort of been drawn to this house. Uh, I believe the house is set in Boston, um, although it's on this big old cliff, so it might be like outside of Boston anyway. But you're drawn to this house, and you use echolocation. Uh, he said like a bat, which I, I thought was a little amusing, as though mm-hmm. I didn't know what echolocation was. <laughs> like a submarine, Mr. Wayne. <laughs> yeah. So I said, oh, you mean like, and so I I kind of threw, and I didn't, I so I said like Daredevil, and he's like, you know, we actually got so afraid when the Daredevil Netflix series came out. Uh, clearly, the man does not listen to hero talk and does <laughs> not recognize my voice. No, I'm well-versed in the in the Netflix series of Daredevil, but... He said, like, you know, we were so afraid, so he's like, we just refused to watch Daredevil until after we'd finished the game so that nobody could say we copied them. <laughs> that won't now, stop I, people from saying it, you know? Although, I, I will say that the way their echolocation is displayed, it's more in tune with the Daredevil Ben Affleck movie than it is with the uh, the Netflix series. The Netflix series, it was like, it was really busy and red, and in the, the Daredevil one, it was kind of dark and blue with outlines. Hmm. Uh, which is it was a neat effect and I think it's probably why I liked the way the game was presented but so you use echolocation and you maneuver around the house and try to figure out what the story is and why you're drawn to the house and at the same time there's a presence in the house and they call it the presence that uh, starts to become aware of you because of all the echolocation you're doing Hmm. and so then you have to start balancing of when do you use echolocation because it will give your position away and you know, can you make noises to send it somewhere else so that you can get out of your current situation? And uh, now they toned down a lot of that for the demo because, and they specifically said that because they felt like they didn't want to make it too intense and have a lot of people dying during the demo when they're trying to show off their product. Mm. Which I get, I totally get. Um, and so that was, I, I think that was my favorite game that I saw there. Uh, so, so was, I mean, you're you're talking about playing as a blind girl with at the echolocation in a first person thing. So did did you ever get any standard views of anything or how did that work? So I mean basically uh you you kind of were clicking the screen and so it would give it would almost give like the beacon pulse. Now once she sees something, it doesn't go away. It ah. sort of stays there so you have like your standard view that you see. Mhm. But then, you know, as you as you you wander past what you've 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 seen, then you you get to other areas that you haven't seen. Then it gets dark and black again. And you have to kind of decide where to click. And you know, like if there's a chair in the way, you won't see past the chair and stuff like that. Ah, so so it, it really, a lot of cone of field of view kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. It it, it works really well. And I'm I it was uh, I really enjoyed it. It was fantastic. I immediately thought of our, our own Dark Princess Jen when I played this game because this is this is so much in her wheelhouse. I'm surprised that she hadn't heard of it yet. Huh. No, that 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 does sound interesting. So I I also take it that there wasn't much in the way of like color on screen or no no was, the, the, the mostly screen like color was very textures. much like black and blue really. I okay. mean it was the uh, I haven't seen the first uh, Ben Affleck Daredevil, so maybe that's why I'm not quite yeah that's that's why you're so asking. Well. Yeah, it's it looks very very similar to how that movie portrayed his his echo location. Mm-hmm. Um. And again, I actually really liked how the movie did it, and I think that's probably why the aesthetics really appealed to me because I I looked at it and my immediate thought was the the Ben Affleck Daredevil. Hmm. I I, I also got to ask this just sort of comes to my mind here uh, between game design and and how echolocation would probably work. Uh, did you run into any like 
surfaces that should have like fine textures that uh, clearly were more you know fuzzy. So actually, there was um uh, to, to to answer your question. So there, when you got the fine textures, you got fine textures back really really fine. And and I'll admit there's a little bit of that's not how echolocation works. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there were some really neat things like if you ran into a painting, you got a canvas, but obviously it was blank. Mm-hmm. So is it like little details like that that they looked at where I was like, oh, that's interesting that they, they put the thought into that. But at the same time, uh, it is still a game and you, you, you sort of you almost get your artistic license to do you really want fuzzy fine services or do you want it to actually be, you know, high resolution and a display you can work with? So, yeah, that seems like something that you might want to put in as a setting. Yeah. Hmm. But they're uh, so uh, the game they're right now they're. Uh, they got in. They met, they met their Kickstarter, so they're going to get a PC release. But their pre-orders are now going towards their stretch goals. Mm. So if you're a console gamer, you got to hope that they kind of raise another two hundred thousand dollars because that's what it's going to take to get this sucker on on the console market. Uh, those are some pretty significant stretch goals, I'll say. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's wish them luck. I mean, any of I, this. I hope they do. I really yeah, this, do. This crowd, are... any of the crowdsourcing stuff is always a bit hair-raising for everyone involved unless you, like, blow your Kickstarter goals out of the water. You know, there's always that, uh, you know, budgeting can be a bit tricky. Yeah, and I I, I feel for the people because Kickstarter is, I mean, that's it's got to be rough when you put yourself out there and you're just hoping against all hope that people will, will give you the money. There was a, a few of the different places where, like, somebody said, like, oh, would you like to support us on Kickstarter? And I feel bad, but my answer is always no. I'm not going to mm. support you on Kickstarter. I... I personally don't believe in investing my money in something that where I won't see a return. But yeah, well, it's I mean that that's that's just you kind of understanding the difference between this is an investment. This isn't you buying the product. Right. Some people some people seem to think that it is buying the product and they expect that this will they they look at it as a definite rather than as an investment that carries with it a certain amount of risk. Yeah, exactly. And so, but that's anyway. That's just me. We don't need to get too deep into that. But uh, oh, so I, I hope did they make an episode about this. Yes, yes, <laughs> you did. Yeah. But anyway, so that was that was I think probably one of my favorite things I've seen. Although I saw a ton of games on the floor because obviously, as we discussed in the last panel, I don't I don't do any of the uh, I don't do any of the talks or any of the sit downs or anything where I have to wait in line. Yeah. I oh, uh, the closest I came, I waited in line. For approximately three minutes for uh, World of Warships, hmm. and then I said, "What am I doing? I don't want to." Well, actually, what really happened is I looked at and like you could only play as battleships. I was like, "Well, forget that." <laughs> and I walked out of the line. Was that big gun battleships? Yes. Were you hoping for a different kind of ship? I was hoping for a different kind of ship, but I did not see it. So anyway, so yeah, so I walked out of that line, and that was also that was like right at the end of like when I was getting ready to just leave. And because it was it was right by the the stairs to leave, and I looked and I'm like, well, this line doesn't look all that long, and it actually they they were really slow putting people through, and uh, anyway, so not to beat them and poke them in the eye, but I didn't spend too much time around the main booths, and also because so you like if I went to the Xbox booth, what they had at the Xbox booth was like the Gears of War demo, <laughs> and that's cute and all, but that's an open beta right now. Like, all right, so. Was I going to wait in line to play it in open beta, what, two days early? I mean, I, I got better things to do with my time than that. So 
I didn't also, see any probably of more interesting, innovative stuff out there for you to take a look at. Yeah, I'd, I'd much rather head to the indie booths. Like, uh, the Bethesda booth had Doom, and, like, I had just played the Doom beta, so I really felt like I kind of got the gist of Doom, so... Uh, I did, however, get my picture taken uh, holding a pretend shotgun and shooting the pretend Revenant. <laughs> I normally don't do those picture things, but I figured, well, as a child of the 80s and 90s, I, I owed it to myself to get a picture of myself shooting the Doom Demon. So <laughs> that I did. I did do that. Was, but other than that, I spent most of my time like talking to uh, a lot of the people in some of the other booths, seeing some new products and uh, a lot of interesting games that are out there. All right. Uh, so... What was another, uh, I don't know, what was, you know, good indie stuff, impressive booths? Uh, So so here was a good one. These guys, it was a tiny booth. Uh, They're a small company called Trigger Devil. Mm. Uh, So this is, I've I've gone on record as saying, I do not like the triggers on the PlayStation 4 controller, or any PlayStation controller. And it actually really, really bothers me how they feel. And so what this company does, and they're they're ever expanding company, is they they create these these little like mods that you can attach onto the controller triggers that make them feel more like a you know a gun trigger. Hmm. Now they they sell it as their selling point is that with their additional trigger on there, it's less field of motion to press the trigger, so you get more shot. I mean, they were really selling it to me like in a first person shooter, you get more shots off per second, like. I don't actually care about that. I care about the feel of the controller in my hand. And I'll tell you, like, the second they put the PlayStation 4 controller in my hand with the Trigger Devil on it, I immediately liked it better. Interesting. Like, this this is exactly what I would like to have. On, so I bought one. I never buy anything on the floor. I bought a Trigger Devil on the floor. Huh. So uh, have you used it some in your home since you got it? Uh, I actually have not, unfortunately. Uh, I have... I haven't played a single thing since I got back. <laughs> well, it's it. It was a work day between then and now, so. Yeah. So. So yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to use it yet. Uh, so they only make them for the right trigger right now, but they're they're beginning production on the left trigger. I mean, but they're a small company. Like the the way one of the employees described it is, they're all made by hand. That's the first thing. I mean, they're poured, they're molded, they're snapped out, sanded, everything by hand. Huh. And so the employees basically meet, and the guy, uh, T. Antonio's the owner, and I, I talked to him for quite a while. They meet in the guy's garage every Tuesday and Thursday and just produce these things in order to meet their orders. And they had a ton of them that were there at the show uh, that they were because they had to get ready. You know, you can't run out of stuff at PAX. That would be bad. Yes, that would be bad. So they had a ton of stuff going. I imagine they have to be exhausted right now. But yeah, probably. that was. I mean that's I mean but that's a big thing and I can't overstate that enough. I do not buy products on the on the floor. I do not. I I made that hard and fast rule to myself after a very unfortunate New York Comic Con where I said I can no longer do this. I'm making impulse purchases that's stupid. I and I was I, it because I, of a particularly stupid purchase or because of total volume of cost? Total volume of cost one year. Okay. I just I spent too much one year. I said I can't do this anymore. It's, it's just it's dumb. Uh and I even I walked past a couple of booths that had stuff that I would likely go back and buy from later, but I refused to buy at the time. But for the Trigger Devils, I bought one on the spot uh, because it's just it's something I I really like. Now they make them for Xbox One controllers as well. I happen to like the Trigger on the Xbox One controller, so I don't know if I would buy one for it. I didn't even try it out to be honest, which was 
kind of a wasted opportunity because I was literally right there and could have, but I didn't. Hmm. So I don't didn't know. think of it at the time. Didn't think of it at the time. It, I bought the PlayStation controller one because I it, it met a need I really, really thought was needed. And when they start making the left triggers, which is coming, I'll buy a left trigger for the PlayStation. I, I got to tell you something. This this like the left trigger isn't produced yet is making me think of them stupid left Twix, right Twix commercials. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's a different trigger devil that makes the left trigger, <laughs> and they have this uh, this whole feud going on between. It, them. It's it was it was vicious. It really was. <laughs> they they had the left though. They had the left trigger devil booth. Yeah, <laughs> they're exchanging mean looks across the aisle. Yeah, it was it was awkward. It really was. Apparently, no, they but... don't have the left trigger devil yet because uh, the right trigger devil. Uh, disrupted their supply line. Yeah, they they sabotaged them on the way to to PAX. <laughs> No, but there, I I think it's a great product, and I I I said, and I truly believe that uh, every PlayStation controller could use one of these things on them. Cool. And again, I'm I'm selling. I feel like I'm selling them half short because obviously they make for Xbox One as well, and I don't mention it at all because I I like the Xbox One triggers, and I wouldn't change them. And I imagine they help. I mean, they they reduce the amount of time it takes to pull the trigger. And if you're a first person shooter guy, that's your thing. You know, that's. Or girl, I was gender specific, and I didn't mean to be. So I, I actually, you showed me the link for this earlier, yeah. And I took a look at it. So the the motion reduction it sounds almost like a commercial, but the yeah. motion reduction is is based on uh, it actually has a stop on it, so you don't feel like you have to pull the entire way. Correct? Uh, sort of. Yeah. Uh, I haven't really played around with it a whole lot to see like exactly what kind, how that stopper really, how much that affects it. Hmm. But uh, yeah, I believe it does stop you a little so you don't have to like pull the thing all the way back just enough so that you're actually triggering the button Mm -hmm. okay and and let's make this sound a little bit more like a commercial you said you were going to try to get a a a promo code from them for uh yeah i've i talked to their uh to their owner t uh that that's the name just the letter t uh, (laughs) t antonio so i i've talked to him and he uh I'm assuming he's pretty busy because I was I was hoping to get the uh, the the code for the show, but I don't I didn't have it because I just got back from the show and yeah. so did they. But yeah, so the uh, uh, hoping to get a promo code for uh, the enthusiasts so that you can get ten percent off when, if you do a purchase. Okay. Uh, well, if uh, you get that in time, then uh, I'll put it in the comments below this uh, this podcast. So mm-hmm. if uh, if you're listening yeah. to this and interested in that. No, this isn't an infomercial for Trigger Devil, but yes, we do have an offer for you to buy them below. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's really kind of awkward. So I should probably point out, like, we're, I'm not being paid by Trigger Devil. I've they they have not <laughs> offered me money. I'm not accepting money. I'm not trying to get them to give us money. I just like the product, and I think it's something that I think people would appreciate. And it, I I just want to put it out there. Uh, I'd plug it even without the the promo code. To be perfectly honest, the the fact that that he offered it is was above and beyond because I I was very very impressed by the product. Cool. Uh, was was there much in the way of hardware there for display, or was it mostly games? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna imagine. Yeah. I'm gonna imagine there was a lot of VR displays there that you probably didn't wait in line for. <laughs> you uh you are correct. Not as much as I would have expected, but there was there were plenty of uh. Plenty of VR games. Uh, a lot of the, a lot of them were in booths. There was like the scary game where they put you in the VR helmet in the booth, and then people scream, and it was really funny. But you had a lot of games that were uh, specifically designed around VR, but would still work with you know standard mouse and keyboard. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I obviously did not try to do any of that VR stuff uh, because I just didn't feel like it. Now, one game that was kind of built around VR, but you can still play it, actually looked really good. Uh, the game was called Pollen. Uh, it was put out by, uh, who makes Pollen? Minefield Games. And uh, so it w- it's, I'm going to use the term walking simulator. I hate the term. I'm not fond of it, but at least it gets uh, the point across. Yeah, and I I will say that like they're 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 devs that I was talking to, they were um they were very patient with me when I said I'm going to say walking simulator but understand I hate this term. And he said like we understand and but it's it's now sort of become synonymous with it, but they definitely they likened the game to uh Gone Home and Solus uh the Solus project. Mm. Uh, and so that was very much, they had like a big VR set up there cause it was very much built around the, the, the VR integration, but you don't need it. it. You could just play it without it, which, which I appreciate because I don't really like VR, but it was a ton of VR stuff, not so much hardware, but mostly games using current VR setups. Okay. Uh, but there was quite a bit of hardware. There was one thing I saw, uh, it was this device that could take, uh, a series of HDMI inputs and then it would use those, and it would almost like you could use it to create your own picture in picture and your own. Uh, there was all kinds of customizations you could do. Like I said, there was picture in picture. Then there was you could make the uh, make the screen. I uh, could have up to four screens on at one time. They could be in the corners. Uh, one could be translucent over the other one, and they're coming from all kinds of different. Uh, different sources I'm, I'm looking for the name of the product in my notes right now oh. so i can actually put it out there uh let's see screens is what it was called uh s-k-r-e-e-n-s uh and it looked really neat and it basically like it, it solved it could solve a lot of people's living room issues when you have like a playstation and an xbox uh, and it goes through there's less than a 10 millisecond lag hmm. in the signal so there's no real degradation there and and you can control the whole thing, like on a, a, an iPhone app or a, an Android app or on your laptop. So they they could they were showing me like you can adjust it real time. Like I want to put this here, make this translucent, and you know you could watch here. They had a Bruins game on, which obviously was a repeat because the Bruins season has been long over. Good job, guys. <laughs> but so I had to get my little poke in. So they uh, they had like a Bruins game on and uh, something was playing on Netflix and they had a video game playing at the same time. And so hmm. what they did is like the video game was the big screen and the Netflix was sort of in the corner and then the game was in the corner and translucent over the um, it, it's it's a great little device. And I believe at the time this is posted, there's probably a flash sale going on right now for, on the site. However, it is a pricey device. Uh, even with the flash sale, it was still like five hundred dollars. Hmm. So, not for everybody, but no, uh, it was it was one of those on where I was, I was probably super interested. I really wanted it until they told me the price point, and then I at that point was just smiling and nodding politely, thinking <laughs> to myself, "There is not a chance I could justify this purchase to myself." Yeah, sounds like it. And uh, um, you're describing that just <laughs> gives me a flashback to uh, what was it? Back to the Future Two when. Uh, Marty comes home and his son's at the TV and he has the like eight different things on. Yeah. Yeah, I could kind of see where you get that from. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it it looked great. It worked wonderfully. Uh if I had the kind of expendable income where I could afford one, I would absolutely buy it. 
like the only the only negative is the the price point is that it's it, 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 I mean it sounds like it'd be an expensive thing. I, I have to say like once they started describing everything they could do, I'm like this is this is not a cheap thing to develop. And, yeah, or just the hardware itself because right. Um, I I got a I got a TV that has some nifty picture and picture tricks, but to get it to work, you have to like you can do picture and picture. It it has three different main feeds you can have it'd be either the cable um the uh av cable or s video or component cables or the hdmi inputs Mm. but you can't like have multiple hdmi inputs i think because it only has like one processor for those yeah so if you've got like four hdmi inputs then you're gonna have to have four digital video processors in there to process the digital image and sound Mm -hmm. so that'll there, there's going to be some significant hardware in there too. Right. And you know, I get it because it's something I would truly like to have. I, I, I would, if I, if I had the income, if I could afford it, uh, I would, but it's just, you know, I can't, I just spent $1,500 on a giant swing set today. <laughs> that is actually probably going to improve my quality of life much more than, than the screens would. But I believe uh, you. I, yeah. I, I just think it's, it's, it's a good little device if you can afford it. Um, I would like to have one. It's just something that I is not really realistic for me. Yeah. Um, so another one I got to push simply oh. because I'm me. <laughs> uh, so there's this, uh, it's this, it's there. They sell, uh, clothing, which is how I found them. But I, I looked into them a little bit more and they're also like, they do gaming and streaming and they have a, a small community. But, uh, because I've been on point streak more than one time describing myself as the filthy casual, <laughs> It's called filthycasual.com. So <laughs> they had all awesome. these shirts that say filthy casual on the front of them and like hoodies and stuff. Hey, guess I what was, you're getting for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I was very tempted to pick up one. However, as I said, my rule is I don't buy anything on, on the floor, and especially for a shirt that I could just as easily buy later. I didn't really want to walk around with a bag with a shirt in it. So <laughs> that seems unnecessary. Yeah. Man, be, that's like, another was, good reason to have a rule not to buy stuff at a convention because you got to lug it all around. Oh, yeah. And that, especially when they are at cons and you're buying like artwork and you're like, great, what am I supposed to do with this thing now? So, but anyway, yeah, filthycasual.com. I, uh, I really, I, I, I laughed out loud when I saw it and I thought like, you know, if, if we were a visual medium, I would have to wear one to a point streak recording. But <laughs> as we're not, it would just have to. I would. You'd have to take my word on it. Well, we'll see what happens in the future for the enthusiasts. Yeah, we'll we'll see. But in, in the in the meantime, it's it's likely I will probably own some filthy casual stuff in the in the future. <laughs> uh, so actually, speaking of hardware, was there anything I I would I, I haven't followed the news about what was coming out of PAX? I've been kind of occupied but uh was there anything there about the playstation 4.5 that's been kind of rumored announced thing yeah i i poked around a little bit uh nothing that i could see like i i don't i don't know if there was any announcement at a panel but i imagine i would have heard of it by now if there was Hmm. Uh, but no nothing on like the the playstation 4.5 or the xbox one (laughs) (laughs) these are weird names uh the the neo or whatever but yeah everyone's everyone's freaking out about the playstation 4.5 and i'm looking at i'm thinking you know this is probably just going to be a lot like the gamecube expansion not gamecube that's the second time i've done that today nintendo 64 expansion that little ram thing that you would stick yeah it just helped it just helped some things i don't it wasn't necessarily required for anything 
Yeah. I think it was required for Perfect Dark. Was it? Yeah. I want to huh. say it was. I don't know. I I, I, I'm, I think that's a, a behind the line for a different time. Yeah, probably. But, uh, but yeah. No, I didn't see anything like that there. I think the Sony booth... I think what they had at the Sony booth. Oh, Uncharted, uh, Uncharted Four was the big one that they were they were showing off at the Sony booth. They had a big demo for that there. Yeah, that yeah, that's one of their you know cash cow. You know, I I, I look at Uncharted like a Michael Bay movie or something. It's it really like, it, you it know what you're going to get. Feel like a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, I, especially because of all the you know set pieces and stuff. I mean, I. I to be on, to be fair and honest, I've never played an Uncharted game, but I have played uh, The Last of Us, mm-hmm. and uh, I went through that and I thought, okay, um, this is probably more or less plays like an Uncharted game, and if I'm wrong, don't bite my head off or anything, but it kind of feels like I just played the most interesting narrative that an Uncharted game can give me. <laughs> yeah, I I played the demos for Uncharted, but I you know I wasn't really into it so much, so I never bought the games. However. When I got my my PlayStation Four for Christmas this year, it came with the Nathan Drake collection. So I own the Uncharted games. I just you know I don't know if I'm ever really going to sit down and play them. Oh well, yeah. Maybe so just give another, them a shot and see what they're like or something. Yeah, another game I I should probably bring up. This one was very interesting. Uh, it's called Streamline, uh, and it was made by and I hope I'm Proletariat. I think or Prolet yeah Proletariat. Proletariat. Games. Well, that's a word, so I would hope so. Yeah. Sorry, I'm looking at it in sort of a stylized text, so I want to make sure I was reading that. Proletariat. Uh, so this was a game. It's uh, an online multiplayer game. It, visually, it was a very colorful. I got um, some Overwatch vibes from it. Hmm. Sort of a third-person shooter, and it's um, it's very stream-oriented. Like it's it's meant to it's meant to work with with games gamers who stream. It was they they I talked to uh, John Sullivan, who was an engineer who worked on it. Uh, he basically described that they they worked from the ground up trying to make this thing work from a streaming perspective. So you have like you have this this multiplayer experience where you have a, a hunter and it, maybe even I think they said you could have a couple hunters and then a bunch of runners. And so I love when they called them runners because they brought Logan's Run into <laughs> my head. So I'm like run runner and yeah. Anyway, so that's a hero talk for another time. But. <laughs> So the, the deal is, is that like the runners basically they have like a real quick melee, but all they basically do is they try to run away from the hunters, and while they're running away from the hunters, they're collecting points for being alive. And there's these orbs that are lying around that give you points, like think Pac-Man, hmm. like orbs. Like I honestly said, like so, like Pac-Man, <laughs> basically. And then the hunter, uh, the hunter has every time I saw the hunter, they 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 had like this giant melee stop sign that they were using to hunt the runners. Uh, so like the integra- actually a, a literal stop a, sign. A literal stop sign, yes. A, a, uh, octagonal red, white letters, stop. Yes, yes. All right. Still on a pole, or? Yes, yeah, still on the pole. You hold the pole, and you're swinging the stop sign at them. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it was it's it's an interesting visual. And so they had this, uh, this demo uh, area, arena set up that was actually a lot like the Boston Convention Center, uh, which was, it, it was interesting to see. Like, I mean, they were... It seems like a a good bit of sort of uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for synergy. Meta. Yeah, it was it was. I they they said they were going for a meta feel. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a big open area. It works as a as a location for that. But so what you you do is you have your um you have the 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 people who are watching the stream and they can start to like they can affect the uh, the stage around you. 
Uh, so there was at one point where like they can put like a smoke screen up, so it's called stop, drop, and roll, and so everyone's got to get down to a lower level or you die. Huh. Uh, there was a floor is lava mod, which kind of brought me to inside out in my head when Joy makes the floor lava. <laughs> it's all of a sudden the floor is lava, and so everyone's got to get up off the floor, or they all die, and you see all these like RIP messages across the top of the screen. This has and the, so the, your your description here is like Twitch plays crossed with the Hunger Games. A little bit, yeah. You know what? It kind of is. So yeah, and it, I it was very interesting to see. Um, I think what probably would hurt this game is that it, when you only have sort of one game like this, people are going to play it, and then eventually they're going to get tired of seeing this one game, and then they're going to go back to just passively watching again. Hmm. Uh, although I think it looked fun, I would probably enjoy watching some games like that, and it might be neat doing all of the different stuff. Uh, huge customization that's in there that they're working on. I mean, it's a, it's a work in progress right now, but it's it's a definitely an interesting enough concept that I, I really hope they... They can run with I, it, successful, and I I'd love to some, see what the next iterations would be. I think there's some cool stuff that you can do with this because you can have, you know, like thinking about esports and other ways you can present video games as sport or sort of competitive stuff. Uh, there, this sounds like something you could turn into something like a game show that has like regional eliminators and so forth, and then eventually yeah. you get up to the big show that that you know you could have like well, a tournament the big a week. show. <laughs> I'm, I apologize, but uh, you served that one underhand, so I had to swing that. <laughs> oh, mercy. I was thinking about baseball, but... <laughs> oh, wait, that's the show. That's just the show. Yep. Okay, fair enough. My when you misplay. say the big show, I think Paul White. <laughs> Anywho. Yeah, you could do something like... Have, you can have, you know, your own basic friendly matches with people and you can have like uh, your own like little streams and whatnot. But you can have like a, 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 a an officially organized tournament and say every week at a certain set time, it'd be like, you know, uh, once a day or once a week you tune in to watch like Jeopardy or, you know, who wants to be a millionaire or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so that could turn into a game show, except here the audience is participating. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's it's a fun concept to be if I'm sitting there and I'm the streamer and I or I'm the watcher, I should say, and I'm str I'm streaming it to watch it. If I can suddenly like I'm going to turn the floor lava, I think that'd be fun. <laughs> I mean, there's there's games I watch now I'd love to do that, too. So I, I certainly see the appeal of it. And and I'm, I'm interested to see where they take it, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of good concepts in there. Hell, you talk about the 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 big show. There's also uh, you could have um, oh in a, in a wrestling game you could you could stream and then have I forget what they call it, but I know in the WWE they have those things where they put like the uh, uh, the stipulations of a matchup to a audience vote. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden it turns into like a first blood match or something, yeah. <laughs> or a cage match. Like the cage just drops. Yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden you're in a cage match. Especially if that's one of those uh, more cartoony ones where it's like fans have voted that this is now a cage match and it's just like <laughs> it materializes in the ceiling and just drops. Yeah. And there's just, you know, cartoon smoke coming off of it. Oh, it, it's a it's a great concept. And I mean, and the game looked plenty fun. It's bright and colorful, which is nice. Uh, yeah, that, sort of, that type I'm, of interaction sounds very promising. Yeah. So the good stuff there. Um, so in addition to walking simulator be, becoming a thing that people describe now. 
uh, I ran into a, more than one game that described themselves as quote unquote telltale style. Yeah. Okay. So they've, yeah, they've, that's, that's now a thing. Like, and I, I guess I've heard it said and I've said it before, but like, it's really odd to me when another company describes their game as telltale <laughs> style. You know, it's one thing when I, the, the third person with no invested interest say it, it's another thing when, you know, the people making the game, uh, culture shock is when they describe the game as, as, uh, that's the developer, I should say, culture shock de- describe their game. We are Chicago as telltale style. Now that one, I, that's an interesting game. The, the concept there is it's, it's based out of real stories out of Chicago. Hmm. So your choices matter, but like they sent people and researchers to Chicago to interview people and it's set in the South side and it's about violence and it was, uh, so the I stories are are somewhat yeah, factually based, right? So it's it's that's not going to be an upper, I should say. That's probably <laughs> going to be a little depressing, uh, but that was that was fun to see. There was another game described itself that way called Knee Deep, uh, and Knee Deep comes from looking for the developer's name here. Uh, Knee Deep from guy should have put it more. You know what? So I can't find the developer's name on their little card here, and I wrote it down, but it's somewhere buried deep in my notes, but. So anyways, Knee Deep, it's out on Steam right now, and what Knee Deep is, is it's like a Telltale game, but they're, what they've done is just sort of make themselves a little bit different, is the whole game is portrayed as though it's a, it's a play. So, like, the characters are lit like they're on a stage, and, like, when they move from scene to scene, it's almost like the carousel at Disney taking you to a different area, and uh, it was... It was very interesting because, I mean, you almost, you have to find a different way to do these games, you know? Like, you you can't do the same thing Telltale does, but, although you almost can, but there's other games that look like they could have been Telltale games. But it was an interesting take. It was a, it was a lot of uh, discussion, and they even went to the point where they had, just like the Telltale game does, like, he'll remember you said that, or something like <laughs> that. So, you know, you know um, I actually... Once spoke with someone at Telltale who pointed out that uh, I think um, I know you played uh, Strong Bad's Cool Game for Attractive People, and that sure predated did. that predated the um, the Walking Dead, where Telltale really took off. Yes, uh, yes and the impression I got was that um, uh, Walking Dead was the one where they introduced that this person will remember you said that. So that yes. that wasn't there in. Strong bad, right? No, that wasn't in, like I've I've played Telltale games for uh, I, uh, quite a few of them, and so I I played through their uh, their Back to the Future games, Strong Bad. Uh, they had a Law and Order one that uh, I've I've played, although I played it after Walking Dead. But yeah, the Walking Dead was the first one of theirs that I played where it uh it had that whole they'll remember you said that. Oh, by the way, uh, Knee Deep is made by Prologue Games. Prologue Games, thank you. I knew one of us would look it up eventually. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, when I was talking to the, the the person from Telltale, they were they were saying like there was some trepidation because literally they don't do anything with that information most of the time. It's they just point out that uh, someone noticed it. It's purely aesthetic. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like, even if it has any effect, it's really minor. But I think it, what really occurred to me is there's one point where I don't know should should we should we throw up the spoiler warning? Sure. Let's. Uh, um, I will. If anyone is interested in not hearing a spoiler, let's limit it to a few minutes, and I guess I'll put some uh, uh, time 
stamps in the description here. All right, we'll, we'll make it really super quick. I'm not. This is, we're not going to open up the floodgates here, but there's a point in starting now. Uh, so there's a point in The Walking Dead where there's that whole discussion and the argument about between Doug or you know when the when uh, the one girl thinks somebody's stealing, and so you have like Doug or Carly in in the fight. And I, I had Carly, and at one point you defend Carly, who's under suspicion. It says Carly will remember you defended her, and then two seconds later she gets shot in the head. <laughs> like, well, she's not going to remember for all that long. To be yeah, perfect. she's gonna, she's going to remember it all over the floor. Yeah. All right. So, I'm done with spoilers now. Sorry. Okay. Just that was a really good example of what where that <laughs> that meant nothing. But yeah. remember that. Bang. No, you're not. So yeah, yeah, so Knee Deep was interesting. The other one I played uh, that was uh, Telltale style game. This one was really fun. This one they actually they had the full game out there, and they they let me. They probably would have let me play that whole game sitting there on the floor if uh, if they I didn't eventually get up. Um, it was called uh, 1979 uh, Revolution Black Friday, and it's it's set in Iran 1979 during the revolution. And so it's they they took a lot of like kind of personalized stories and a lot of like era specific photographs and kind of built a narrative around it. Uh, and what they had said is that they were trying to do is basically to it, it's set in real world time, so you can't affect history, but you can affect the personal stories of the people that you're interacting with. Hmm. Um, so uh, Ink Stories, I N K Stories, are the ones who made this. Uh, it's currently out on Steam. Uh, and it was uh, the thing looked like a Telltale game. It really did. If if you had told me Telltale developed it, I would have believed you. But it was very well done. The storytelling was done really well. Um, it felt like it felt and looked like 1979 Iran as near as I could figure out what 1979 Iran looked and felt like. Bearing in mind that I was not in Iran in 1979 nor alive. So I saw Argo. I saw Argo as well. And. I guess that's what I'm basing it on, is I saw Argo. <laughs> Hopefully the creators, because uh, it sounds like this is a, a sort of a live-through-this-historical-event kind of thing, so hopefully the creators did more than just watch Argo. Yeah, no, the um, so I talked to, uh, I, I don't remember the gentleman's name, and, uh, but he was uh, did a lot of the design for the game, and so he's Iranian, and so he... He like had some of his home videos that he got from his grandparents in it, oh, and he talked right. to like his family. So like, pretty authentic. I, I'm I'm willing to give him benefit of the doubt that he probably went the extra mile to make sure that this thing was spot on. Yeah, I would imagine so in, in those circumstances. No, that yeah, that sounds interesting. The uh, uh, the idea of using one of the things that I am most uh, sort of interested, hopeful with video games about is because of their ability to. Uh, generate a feeling in the uh, in the audience, in the user, in the consumer, in the player, or whatever term you want to use for this, and not 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 necessarily in the same way as a movie, but to make it much more personal because you you project yourself into the game. That this can make something like this, something historical, much more personable, much more identifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's potentially a lot of room there for for helping like education for certain historical events. So that that's uh, fascinating. Yeah. Also, also kind of the idea that you know certain um, I, I, this might get a little meta, but the idea that some events 
at a certain tipping point can't be stopped. You can't alter it. You're not in a position to be able to. I, I'm going to presume you're playing as just kind of relatively random civilians in this game. Uh, you're, what you were playing as is um, a photographer. So they used like a lot of the pictures that were taken and kind of like said this. You were playing as the photographer who took them and your pictures end up uh, inspiring the rebellion in certain ways. And so you end up getting swept up in the rebellion, but at the same time, like the the little portion I played was told, like you're in this prison and you're being interrogated, and so like you're playing through the interrogation, and then you're you're like flashing back to the stuff that happened. Hmm. Uh, and apparently, so the interrogator, the uh, the guy that was doing the interrogation, I learned that was based on a real guy who was doing interrogations at in that time period. So like you're basically you're interacting with a historically significant real life figure. Well, you're playing as the you know the fictitious photographer guy. Huh. Interesting. It was really interesting. I I played through probably more of it than I really <laughs> should have. I, I I only meant to play a couple of chapters, and it was like I ended up sitting there and playing for about forty five minutes. Oh boy. I was surprised they let me. I was I was waiting for them to like push me aside, and eventually I looked at my watch. And I'm like, I, I can't just sit here and play this game. And so <laughs> I went to walk away, and they stopped. They're like, Oh, how did you like it? And I actually I I very much enjoyed it. I. It's it's one of my high recommends because especially if you like Telltale games, uh, this is a must, All an absolute right. must. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any other uh, innovative things that you uh, have on your must mention list? I'm I'm always most interested in in the innovation of things. So, uh, yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think in innovation. So here's can I can I talk about a swing and a miss? Sure. I, you know, the, the, the misses, you can learn from the misses as much as you can the home runs. Yeah. So I, I stopped at this booth. This game looked really interesting. It was called From Beneath, uh, not a submarine game. No, it's uh it was like a, a survival horse style game uh, made by Fancy Rabbit. And I don't mean to throw them under the bus, but the, the when I talked to the devs, they basically sell it as it's a console experience on a tablet. And so, like, they have all the that is set almost up. all. I, I I've heard yeah. stuff like that. They probably said mid core in there somewhere. Uh, they did not actually. No, huh. they probably. I'm going to guess know, they've said the phrase mid core in like investor meetings. I'm I'm stuff. sure they have. So, you know, and we've talked about like the whole using your thumbs as the dual joystick things. But so yeah. they have this game. It's super dark. The controls are really difficult, and I'm playing it. And you know, when you're in a survival horror and something's coming after you, and you don't know where you're looking and the controls don't respond very well and you can't really control where you're walking or where you're looking or what you're doing and you can barely see. Uh, it was a miserable experience for me. I put it down and just walked away. Mm-hmm. Like I was trying like not to make eye contact with all the people I just talked to as I'm walking away. <laughs> you know, because am... like I talk to them and they're selling me on this game because, you know, I'm it's. I, I understand. I'm not real press, right? Like enthusiasts.com, we're not very well. People haven't heard of us. They will pretend to have heard of us to be polite to me, <laughs> but they have not really heard of us. And so I've last year when I went, I like handed out my card to everybody and I realized like nobody cared. Nobody cared about who I was. But I roll around, I have a spiral notebook, and I furiously take notes about everything I'm looking at. So people know that I'm probably going to talk about their thing somewhere where people can see it. Mm -hmm. So I get approached, and I always talk to the devs before I play the game. That's where I get most of these conversations. And the devs are super friendly. They'll talk to you even if you're not taking notes or whatnot. But I'll say they go out of their way to find me. And 
it gets awkward when you get to the point where like this game where like this was awful. <laughs> I did not like it. It was really rough. And so like while I'm playing actually, so another guy was playing their game and they asked him for his comments and man, he dug into him. And it was it, I felt bad, but at the same time like everything he's saying is right. What kind of stuff did he say? Same stuff I was saying, like the controls weren't really responding very well and you don't really get the whore elements and you really need to sort of tighten up how the difference, the transition between where you're looking and how, you know, because you're, you're swiping your finger trying to look to see where what your thing's coming from and you can't really move at the same time you're doing that. It was it was really awful. And like I said, I walked away. I was just like, I, I don't even know what's going on in this game. Uh, they did say they wanted to port it to console or to at least PC eventually. Uh, I think it might work a little better. The problem is, like, once you do that, then it's just your generic. I'm walking through a hospital at night survival horror game. Mm. Like, it, it's like the only their thing whole it, thing was trying to bring that to mobile, right? And and they like a swing and a miss. Yeah, I, I would have to say that survival. If you're going to try to bring a console experience to mobile, one, I think you're not thinking about this correctly. Yeah. Two, if you're going to do it, survival horror is not the way to do it because survival horror has to be based on the sensory experience pulling you in mm-hmm. and your your mobile interface isn't going to be yeah. enough to, to do that. It's it's got to be precise. Yeah, it, and, and, and mobile it, just can't give you that precision. The way the only way you could do that in mobile is entirely through narrative, not through uh user experience. Like it's it, it, it like a horror novel or something. Yeah. It, uh, it, like you'd have to do it telltale style. Jesus. Yeah, almost. Yeah. I uh, now I think I think I'm done beating up on them for a little while. Another game that I saw, it was a really gr- fun demo. It's called Last Fight. Uh, Last Fight was put out by I'm trying to think Piranha King, I think is the name of the company. Um, now, I, I will say that they on their cards, it says winners don't use bad drugs, which kind of makes me roll my eyes harder than you could possibly imagine. However, uh, the game looked fun. You can check it out, lastfightgame.com. It's like uh, a 3D fighting game with interactable platforms. It actually looked really fun. Uh, it made me think of uh, if they got a good license, it could make a pretty decent wrestling game. Hmm. It's uh but, the, the the what you're describing sounds a little bit like uh Power Stone. A little bit, was, yeah. 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 Okay. Like uh was it uh one on one or was it uh multiplayer? It was it was one on one, but uh at least the demo I saw they were one on one, but I think you can have more people fighting than just that. Hmm. It certainly looked like the stages and then everything could support that. Okay. I'm I'm actually looking it up right now and, and it yeah. gives a whole lot of uh <laughs> final fight images. Yeah, it, it it looked it it was it looked pretty fun. All right. Uh, there was another game I saw. This game it looked absolutely gorgeous. It, it's called um Deliver Us the Moon. From, Intriguing title. Yeah, from Kyokin Interactive. Uh and it was again, it's like a third person you play as an astronaut. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and, and bring us Yeah, so you're an astronaut on the moon. Again, spoilers, you're on the moon. Uh but it I I know you're on the moon. I got a, a really big uh the the Martian, you know, the 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 movie with I almost said Ben Affleck, but Matt Damon, the <laughs> I, other guy I, from Goodwill Hunting. I do that all the time, so. Yeah, I I got a real vibe from that on. It looked extremely interesting. Um like there was a lot going on there. Uh I would I would have loved to have seen more of the game. The demo was really kind of more of showing off the environments and, and whatnot. 
Uh, it looks like it's coming to Steam and Xbox One. It was a, a fascinating-looking game and absolutely gorgeous to look at. And and I'm I'm all about the gorgeous to look at, especially from some of these indie guys, because, you know, it's what, what hurt indie for so long was that it didn't look as good. And we're now kind of getting to the point where indie can look just as good as the AAA and do something innovative. So that was really impressive to see. Mm. Yeah, there's, uh, there's definitely... Uh, indie can... They're getting to the point where it can look good either with uh, some purchased assets yeah. and have high res stuff, and and maybe not exactly as great a scope as some AAA stuff. But uh, what uh, there's also indies that'll do, you know, very stylized visuals, which which I dig that too. Right. Speaking of stylized visuals, Nick, thank you. There was a a lot of games I saw that kind of used the um, use the retro look and feel. Mm, like pixel retro or yeah pixel retro uh so one of them and i'm going to talk about this ever so briefly because it wasn't all that good again sorry guys but it's the game was called beat cop by 11 bit studios it had a real papers please look and feel to it and it was a ton of tongue-in-cheek humor uh in fact too much tongue-in-cheek humor to the point where i i kind of wish the game would get over itself hmm but you you play as a beat cop and it's like yeah, it's it's over the top. Like I'm, you know, super cop, good guy. I'm gonna write the tickets to the people. But then, like, you could choose to be a jerk at times, and you earn police points and stuff. Anyway, it was it was a little silly, but it makes a good transition to some other games. So, Infamous Quests. That's infamous-quest.com. These guys, what they do is they create a lot of uh, these point-and-click adventure games, very much in the Sierra style. I mean, to the point where like these guys are people who used to be in Sierra Studios talk hmm. to these guys on a regular basis and, you know, talk them through their stuff. They're fully voiced because we are now in the era where you can fully voice a Sierra-style game. Huh. But, I mean, like, if you looked at these, if I told you these, based on the look and feel of them, if I told you these games came out in the 90s, you would believe me. Interesting. Uh, there was, I you know, I got to click through a few of them. They they feel like, I mean, they feel like King's Quest and Quest for Glory and um, what was the space one? I almost said Space Ace, but that's completely incorrect. Yeah. I mean, these were mostly fantasy-style games. Like I said, I even told them, I said, like, listen, I was a Police Quest guy. And, of course, they were also Police Quest guys. They were wonderful guys to talk to, the guys at uh, these games. I grabbed a brochure. Uh, I They have games coming out all the time. They have the new one coming out later on this year is uh, Quest for Infamy. And there's also Order of the Thorn, which is coming, I think, pretty soon. It might already be out. Um, yeah, sorry. So the Quest for Infamy is already out. Quest for Infamy, the Rome to Ruin, is a sequel to it. And that's coming out later on this year. So a lot of good stuff from them. Uh, if if you're a fan of those games, you'll probably like them. Because, like I said, it felt exactly like playing a Sierra game. Uh, and, again, just to kind of group them together. Not that I'm trying to, like power through too many of these <laughs> i saw a lot of games and so i'm yeah. trying to fit the ones in that i really thought were worth noting uh, there's a game called uh kathy rain uh so it's kathyraingame.com is a site and uh it's made by a uh, goner game it, so you can check that out it was also it was another point and click adventure that felt mm. uh, a little lot like a seer game i played through a demo where you were like stuck in an attic and you're trying to get out and it was i, I actually quite enjoyed that too See, so. it seems like there's a lot of those coming out recently it, it must be you know a bit of the uh 
following in the wake of the Telltale Revolution because they're they're kind of cousins. Yeah, they they really are. The Telltale felt like the natural continuation from the point and click adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, these, I mean, these were the the stuff that they have in like the uh, especially the infamous quest games. Those, I mean, they they looked gorgeous, you know, and it's it's hard to do because you're working with a lower resolution. Now they said, like you know, they have they have some things that you can do now with the technology that makes it a little bit easier. But at the same time, you have only so many pixels with so many colors, and you have to try to get the visuals to look the way you need them to look. And so yeah. they're absolutely gorgeous looking. But I'm I I think there's a call for that, not just in nostalgia, but like sometimes people just kind of want a simpler, more stylized game. Yeah, or narrative driven. Yeah. Narrative driven is is really coming around a lot lately. Now, listen, I I love my dooms as much as the next guy, but uh, I can only shoot demons in the face for so long before it gets monotonous. As strange a thing as that is to say, (laughs) (laughs) in any sense of realism, that is not something you could ever consider monotonous unless demons are really, really bad at, I don't know, fighting. (laughs) Yeah. So there's another game. I actually thought of you on this one, Nick, not in, for any specific reason other than it was uh, you had shown me uh, a game that was kind of similar to this uh, a little while ago. But So the game's called Into the Stars, and it's basically, I don't want to sell it short, but it was like bootleg Star Trek. Huh. What I mean by, I mean, you, like, you get to be the captain, and it was, I, you, if you look at the game, the aesthetics are based on they wanted to make a Star Trek game, but without the Star Trek license. Yeah. So, I mean, the the, the ships kind of look like they took a Star Trek ship and they said we need to change it to make it different. And so, I mean, I, I will say the ships, they do look different, but you can tell where the inspiration came from. Mm-hmm. The uniforms and the bridge are Star Trek. If I saw them on the next Star Trek movie, I wouldn't be surprised. And it's a lot of ex- you explore. They, they said it was sort of open worldy. You explore, there's like some turn-based combat, you interact with all these other aliens, um, and you'd shown me an, a similar game that was kind of Star Trek-like, and so it really made me think of that. You pick your crew, and they man the different stations, and they do stuff. And Oh, like uh, FTL? Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's see, there was, uh, so, for people who liked Mass Effect, uh, the soundtrack for the game was done by Jack Wall, who did a lot of the music from Mass Effect. Uh, Mass Effect, the, the game had great music. Uh, I don't know if you played that, Nick. I don't think you have. No, I have not. Yeah, the the music in Mass Effect, uh, the first game especially, was was phenomenal. It was actually one of the few game soundtracks that I own. But it was it was very interesting game. Uh, I liked playing it quite a bit. I, I think I think you'd like that. Like I said, it was certain games I played and they made me think of people who'd like them. And that yeah. was the game that I thought. And I was like, I bet this would be right up Nick's alley. I was I was going to ask if there was anything you thought I would like. Yeah. I guess I won't have to now. Yeah, no, you don't have to because I, <laughs> I told you. Um, what uh, was there anything? Well, you you already told me one, but was there anything else? Any any like worst of show? Uh, well, worst might be harsh, but oh, go play- ahead, be harsh. Oh well, I played this game called Legacy, and it, I'm sure it's a competent game. It was obviously I was playing something that was pretty early because the whole point of the game was going to mix air combat with like third person shooting, but they didn't have any third person shooting stuff they could show at all. So all you really got to do is play the space combat. What was really awkward about this so, is like so I the, said, the, these were like not the same stages. You'd be like you'd be in a ship and then you'd get out of a ship and do another thing. Exactly. But okay. they only had ship stuff. 
to, to okay. show at the show. And what was really kind of weird about their booth is, like I said, I've, I you go to all the booths and the developers, they're there and they want to interact with you and they want to talk to you and tell you all about their stuff. I walked into this booth and started taking notes and looking at stuff and the dev was just sitting there and watching me do it. Oh, my. And, and I was like, this it's so weird. I don't normally have to say, excuse me, would you like to tell me about your game here? <laughs> Uh, was this like late on the third day or something? No, I'm talking. It was Saturday morning. Huh? Yeah. Right. So anyway, so I'm, I, yeah, I eventually, the, like they said, Jesus. like, would you like to play our game? And of course, I said yes. I'd, I'd love to play your game. And so I sat down and play it. And it was, it's you. They give you these objectives, and there's no real way to know what it was doing. Um, they they used an Xbox controller, and it for reasons I don't understand shooting was not the trigger buttons. It was the a button. That's not good. Yeah. Like, why would you do that? It was, so I'm like, I'm, I keep pressing the trigger and nothing happens. That's like being different just for the sake of being different. You know, there's a reason we wound up with certain control standards. I was half expecting you to say like the, the, the left analog stick controlled the camera. Like, oh. No, the, it, these are standards that we came up with it's like this is how you do it and then every now and then like the gun would stop shooting and i'm looking on my hud for an indication like is it overheating or what happened and wasn't really getting much of the hud was really hard to understand was the guy there watching you play at all yes and and he didn't offer any advice I, i got i i the the woman who was there uh she she kind of gave me a real brief rundown of like what the controls were before I started, but they're doing this. And I wonder if this is why she did it this way. Uh, they're doing this contest. So they're like the, the people who get the highest scores, like they get like a, a prize or something. Uh, so I wonder if that's why she wasn't helping me out is because she didn't want to affect you know, the, the integrity of the contest. That, but the problem is now I'm walking out of there. I'm walking out of there saying this legacy game, the controls are terrible. The feel is off. The HUD is ununderstandable. And then, the, then they asked. So as soon as I'm done, you know, she directs me to the next person who says, would you like to take a survey? So I took the survey. Oh, Jesus. And, what a cluster. Yeah. So I took the survey on the game and I, I pulled no punches. Yeah. Okay. So this is something that, a lot of developers just ignore and don't realize how significant it is, is to have some actual community management. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that would include stuff like running a booth like this, where you should be welcoming people and explaining stuff to them and observing them play and to help to understand where people are having trouble with your user interface, your controls, anything like that. And it, it was th- really th- and turning around and having this... this clearly not exactly good end user experience and then asking for feedback and while doing a contest okay that it sounds like the game isn't ready to run any sort of competitive anything with Mm -hmm. uh correct me if i'm wrong there no no i think you're right because i especially because like you die and then like all right well there you go like, what do you mean? Like, there, there I go. Like, you're trying to demo this things to try to get, I, I imagine, buzz and people interested in it. So and the fact that you die and they're like, well, that ends your experience. Like, oh, well, screw you guys. You know? <laughs> I, I haven't even figured out what's happening yet. Yeah. That and, was... and clearly they have a, I, I mean, 
uh, some some games have more obtuse controls than others. Uh, but uh, you're no you're no fool, and you should be right. able to figure out I've, what's I've going on. I've played my share of games, understanding I'm a filthy casual. I acknowledge that, but I do know a thing or two about user interface. <laughs> and so, if I can't understand it, something's wrong. Yeah, you know, I, I I I should be the, the bare minimum of being able to understand it. Like if I can't, you need to go back to something else and and rethink it through. That just sounds miserable. It, it was it was not fun. Uh, I did destroy the giant frigate thing, though. Uh, I think that was the thing I was supposed to be shooting. <laughs> I wasn't a hundred percent clear on that. That's uh, uh, yeah. Jesus. The the HUD was just very hard to understand, and just it just made for a, a rough experience. And and you know, and then they asked me my opinion, but it, it was it was very different from like anywhere else. Now there was a couple of different times where. What they did, they have it at PAX. There were some like these these large booths that were just filled with these consoles that were running a whole bunch of indie games. Like for people who couldn't afford a booth, mm. could maybe afford to have one of the, the the screens in this one of these booths that had lots of games in them. Yeah, and so there it was very easy to sort of get on the game and play it because you only had like maybe one or two devs, and if they're interacting with somebody else, you know, I I could walk in, do my thing, and walk away, and they couldn't interact with me. This was very awkward in that, like I said, the dev was right there watching me take notes, watching me look at their game, and didn't – nothing like, hi, would you like to hear more about us? I mean I had people asking me if I wanted to know more about their stuff and their product for things that I had nothing to do with me and things yeah. – I, I walked into one one booth just and I just looked at it and they're like – so it was called Pirate Lab and they went through this – this giant spiel, what Pirate Lab does is they make these carrying cases for, like, people who play card deck games or those mini figurine games, like a Warhammer type thing. Uh-huh. And they showed me all kind. I was – I very politely listened. But if, if you know me, the way Nick does, why you heard him laugh, that I'm not the target audience there. <laughs> I don't play any of those games. The closest you that, that would be useful for you is if you were going to move, like, comic book figures or something. Yeah, but I mean, even then, I sold most of my comic book figures. Yeah. So it was, it really, it was, <laughs> they, but they were, were, I had three people showing me all their different products and the customizability of them. And eventually they kind of been like, so what do you play? And I'm like, I, I said, I got, I got to be honest with you here. I, I don't, I don't play any of this stuff. <laughs> I said, I am, I, I, I literally said, I am not your target audience. And they're like, oh. Well, here, take a card, and there's a 20% discount on there if you ever want to buy. I mean, like, so contrast that with I'm looking at your game. You're not going to give me a card. You're not going to tell me what's going on. You're not going to introduce yourself. Like, it almost, you, that one almost yeah. seems like there was an adversarial relationship that they expected to ha- Like, I don't know if they expected to have it or were targeting at it, but it wound up being adversarial between them and you. It was, it was very weird and off putting. I'll say yeah. that. Um, so uh, a few other games I got to mention. This one was fun to play. And this was uh, the game was called Party Hard by Pinocchi. Uh, so I never talked to the devs on this one. It was in the indie booth. Like I said, I walked in, I played the game, I laughed a little, I walked out. It looked a lot like Hotline Miami in terms of look mm. and feel and the layout. Uh, so the point of this game is that it's 3 a.m. and your neighbors are throwing a party and you're trying to get them to stop. <laughs> so you sneak in and you try to very stealthily kill the people at the party. And do it without getting caught so you don't get arrested so that you, their neighbors will stop partying, presumably because you either scared dead. all of them away or they're all dead. 
But I mean, and it, it it's crazy. It's a crazy nuts game. Like when the police, when somebody finds a dead body and they call the police, the police will come rushing in. And if people happen to be out on like the driveway when it happens, the police will just run them right over. They don't care. <laughs> Fairly tongue in cheek. It, it it was it was extremely tongue in cheek, but it was it was funny. I I will say like I'm I think it's out on Steam. Uh, I don't know how much it is. I, I it's obvious it's not a twenty dollar game. I would not pay that, but I would pay five dollars for this game because it's. I imagine that you could have some fun with it. But uh, you know, you're like you're trying to like find somebody who's alone and you stab them and you try to stash the body somewhere. And there was a horse, and if you spook the horse, it'll kick. It'll like kick directly behind it. So you wait for somebody to walk by. You spook the horse. It'll kick them. Uh-huh. Uh, don't spook the horse when you're behind the horse. That's what I learned. Because <laughs> then the horse will kick you and you'll be dead. That um, but this this had the aesthetic of Hotline Miami. You said, yeah, okay. It uh, the, some of the description reminds me of a uh, ah, this was like I think it was uh, really early two thousands, maybe late nineties game where uh, you're a ghost and you're trying to scare people out of the house. Yeah, no, I remember that game. Yeah, it it felt like that, but this was more like Hotline Miami. Like you're the little figure walking around trying to like manipulate all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I also, I did get to see, and I didn't get hands-on, I got to see quite a bit of Star Fox Zero that Nintendo mm. had out. Um, I, I don't have <laughs> much new to say. It looked like a really pretty Star Fox game. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you played I, Star Fox. It's, 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 it's that, but pretty. It's prettier, at least. Yeah, prettier. Well, I mean, Star Fox, the, the first Star Fox was not a pretty game. It was impressive for its time. Impressive technology, not pretty. Star Fox Correct. 64... Uh, same technology, but pretty. Now, with the Star Fox, I think it's called Star Fox Zero. Mm-hmm. Uh, really pretty, really, really pretty. I, you know, that's for all while... my notes say on it. By the way, <laughs> really for a while, I thought that that there was something weird about the aesthetic in Star Fox until um, I saw an interview where they said that uh, they were intentionally going for like a Thunderbirds kind of thing, where you just have little model ships going around and little lasers firing, going pew pew. I'm like, oh, oh, they're like Muppets and, and yeah, stuff. Oh, that. it makes perfect sense now. I get it. Yeah. So, so Nick, I have to point this out because this 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 goes directly off of our previous conversation. Huh. I went to the Twitch booth because uh-huh. uh, everyone had all these name tags that say like they, instead of saying hi, my name is, it's hi, my Twitch ID is. Oh. And I wanted to get one. I eventually decided I didn't really feel like it. However, I went to the Twitch booth and they were giving away free deodorant. <laughs> Was it uh, uh, spray swipe swipe or swipe swipe spray? Spray swipe swipe. Spray yeah, swipe. I looked it up. It was spray swipe swipe. <laughs> um, I will say though, for this packs more than any other, I did not catch as many bad whiffs. Uh, people have been. Uh, I'm going to presume they just listened to our last podcast and took it to heart. That's good. Uh, I will say, however, um, and now I need to maybe make an addendum onto spray swipe swipe vendors. This applies to you as well. <laughs> it's not just the people at the show. It is off-putting for me as your audience or as members of the pretend press to walk into your booth and to have, if you smell bad, I don't want to be in your booth and talk to you about your game anymore. Mm. Like, that's that's just presentation 101. Hygiene. Yeah, Jesus. But there was a couple. There, I went into that, one. That, that, that's that's like having game. respect for the audience yeah. there, too. Oh, yeah. I won't say I won't say the name of the game. I'm going to I'm going to just I'm going to protect the innocent here. But it was a game that I I saw right at the very beginning of of the show and 
I could not get out of that booth fast enough. The the, the developer I was talking to, he reeked so bad. Mm. And I just I, I just went back to man, spray swipe swipe. <laughs> it's not that hard. And I so I was really amused when they were giving away free deodorant. It was like free to take. Now I almost took one just because they were like the small travel size. I'm like, I can use these when I fly, but it uh it actually was not a brand I would use. And I am particular about what I use. I'm a dove for men guy. Mm. So well, you, you, you got to go with what works for you, man. Yeah, I, you go with what you like. I, when you become an adult of a certain age, you can no longer be like, I just buy whatever deodorant. It's like it's time to start deciding what your brand is and what <laughs> you what you, you do. But, I mean, I spray swipe swiped before I went there. And I also went through about half a thing of the uh, the hand sanitizer. Ah, yeah. Did not get sick. Yeah. No con plague for me. Every handshake, every time I touched the controller, I walked away, I sanitized. Good for you. Yeah, which is what you're supposed to do. Also, I ate at the show, which I usually don't do. I, I really try not. I'd like to eat before I go there. Just go through the show and then like eat as soon as I'm done. Man, I got so hungry, so I ended up eating at the show. Those prices are ridiculous at these at these convention centers. Hmm. Well, the... I, I guess the vendors got to make money somehow. They probably have to. They probably have to spend plenty of money to get uh, space there. I know. To vend. Just, so I was. I went. I went to this one. So this is why I'm bringing it up because it's got a little bit ridiculous. So I, I was at this place where I just wanted like a sandwich and a salad. I don't want to eat heavy. I'm at a con. You know. I don't. I don't want to have to. You know. Poo at packs. Although there was a sign in one of the bathrooms that said hashtag pooping at packs. Let us know what you're doing. Ugh. I don't think that was sanctioned. I um, hope not. Yeah, it wasn't. It was it was clearly not an official sign. It was a printed out piece of paper somebody taped on. So uh, there's I'm at this place and I'm ordering and they like they sell like what they I think they call it like a, a Thor's uh, cinnamon bun or something. It was this giant cinnamon bun. Somebody ordered it in front of me. So when you order it, they make you pose for a picture with the thing and a giant <sighs> cinnamon bun shaped shield. And I mean, the, the guy sort of was into it. I'm like, I cannot like. I could not imagine me reacting well to them saying, we want to get your picture with the cinnamon bun. Hold this shield. I would I would just say no. No. No, come on. No. Do you want me to buy it or not? <laughs> I gave you money. Yeah. How about Yeah. So the other part of this, though, then this is another way. It's so I, I'm done eating, and I finally find a place to go sit down, and I sit next to a guy, and I look at him, and I find out, and once I get a really close look at him, I find out who he's cosplaying as. Eli from Book of Eli. Huh. I, you would not think that that would be like a, a major cosplay. And now he's the, I've only ever seen one person ever do it, but I, he looked like Eli. Yeah. He really did. Interesting. I, I grabbed a picture of him because I was like, hey, can I, can I get your picture? Because, I mean, the guy looked like Eli. Hmm. You know, I had the sunglasses and the hat on because at first, before my brain really processed it, I thought he is not dressed seasonally. <laughs> <laughs> this was what I thought. And then my brain kind of like, idiot. He's got a shotgun in the back. He's got the headphones <laughs> thing. That's Eli. You love that movie. <laughs> well, to uh, catch yourself some slack, it's not exactly the most visually distinctive look. Yeah, but I mean, he it was spot on to the scarf, to the shirt, to the to the the, the style of backpack, everything. I mean, he did a he did a phenomenal job. Oh sure. I'm like I I feel bad because I imagine that 90 percent of the people at the con that's going to go right over their head. <laughs> But I did see. Uh, there's not a ton of cosplay. Hmm. I uh, I'm not a huge fan of cosplay, to be honest with you. So I I kind of prefer if there isn't. But and I especially when it's people in in the booths like cosplaying as the characters in their games. That's like please no. Yeah, that it it 
uh, if you're that just comes across as so hokey to me. Like, it really you, you'd does, have to interact with what that tells you're treating me right it like is, they're you're treating it like they're those uh those people in costume at amusement parks. Right. I mean what it, what it tells me is that your game can't stand on its own. So you need to sort of engage me with sort of this this pageantry to try to get me more interested in it, you yeah. know. And there was uh I mean there there's somewhere it, it's it, it it's not really super appropriate clothing. One person's like, do you want to get a picture with us? I'm like, no, I really don't. I don't need that existing anywhere out there. A picture no. of me and you together. That's no. But. All right. Um, any uh, particularly impressive booth itself? I know at uh, GDC there were some some actual like structures in there that were pretty impressive. Uh, let me, so actually, the uh, now I know I I kind of poo pooed on them earlier in this podcast, but the the world of warships, and I think they have like a world of tanks as well. Like they had this huge setup that was actually pretty impressive, where a lot of different games were going, and there was tons of arena style things. The Twitch booth was absolutely huge. I, I I couldn't even get into the booth. There were so many people in and up and around it, and they were playing. On, there was a lot of streamers that were going at the same. Twitch knew what they were doing. This this was their game, and they were they basically kind of owned the floor a little bit. Mm. Uh, I was almost like Comic Con. It's the same deal where you would expect at PAX. You know, the Xbox and the PlayStation booths would be like the places to be, and they were just sort of unimpressive. Like, here, play this demo that you can play next week for free <laughs> that was uh it was a little bit like a gdc they had uh actually oddly enough a gdc the xbox the main xbox booth was uh not down on the floor there was in this big lobby up in the in the uh the entry level of the building of the of the convention center uh the the floor at the moscone center is actually downstairs from the street um and the uh, the uh, PlayStation booth, there was there's just some like uh, uh, TV booth stand ups with controllers. I mean, it was a big big spot. And it was nice, but it was pretty simple. Yeah, I that's all. Yeah, the Twitch booth was impressive. The Bethesda actually had a really nice booth too. Uh, it was well set up because they had like just separate lines for different things you needed, and you could go to the, uh, ah. the you could go to the store. You could wait in line to play Doom if you missed it. You know when it was an open beta and. So I I, le- I liked the um I liked the Bethesda booth. Uh, trying to think if there's anything else that was really truly impressive in terms of booths. Um, no, I think that was it in terms of impressive booths. Oh the um oh you know what was I can't believe I almost missed this one. People who were at the show were probably thinking this idiot missed it. So uh, trying to think the name of the game. I want to say it's uh the Ark Survival. Hmm. Oh uh, uh Ark Survival Evolved. Ark Survival Evolved. Thank you. Yeah. So this booth had a giant Tyrannosaurus Rex in the middle of it. Huh. And so you, people were getting pictures in front of it, or they had, like, there was a line you could do it, but you could climb up, and there was, like, the stairway up to sit on top of the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Oh, like, cool. you had mounted it as your mount, <laughs> and you get your picture taken on top of the thing. Uh, that I, that was very visually striking, I would say. That's probably the, the most impressive booth there that I almost completely forgot to mention was hmm. the uh, the Ar- the Ark Survival Evolved booth because that that sucker was huge and was right in the middle of the floor and it was, it was this giant Tyrannosaurus Rex right there uh, and so it's like it's bent down like it's growling so like the teeth and face of the thing were at face level to people walking by 
So, you know, you'd walk by and there was this whole mounted Tyrannosaurus Rex just right in your face. It was pretty, huh. pretty neat. Okay, I got to ask, was this a, because uh, 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 I know people who are, are really into dinosaurs. Uh, okay. what, uh, what was the skin of this T-Rex like? Did it have any feathering? There was no feathering okay. that I could see. Okay. Um, or at least that I noticed, I should say. The, uh, I know some of the dinosaurs in, in Ark had it, but this, I don't think there was. I want to say it was like a pinkish skin, and I think there were some bony protrusions coming off of the face, but mm. uh, I, I want to say I don't remember feathering. More Jurassic Park style. Yeah, more Jurassic Park style. Okay. It's a... Uh, Man, I cannot believe I almost forgot to say that because that was the most visually distinctive booth in the entire place, and I totally almost forgot to say anything. <laughs> All right. Uh, wow, you went over quite a lot there. Um, anything else you want to hit on? Uh, I think that's uh, that's all the the highlights from my notes. I mean, I have I have notes on a ton of games that aren't really special enough to bring up, and I feel I feel bad for saying that. Well, so, you know that's that's the other thing. It's when you're when you're going for a a, a, a demo at a at a show, you got to make sure you put your best foot forward so that you are memorable to your target audience. So yeah, if, actually, uh, one more. If I can get oh, go for it, man. I feel bad. Uh, we don't so have time. I, we don't have a time limit here, other than when I should go to sleep and you should <laughs> go to sleep. But yeah. Uh, so there was a game I didn't spend a ton of time at their booth because I I spent a ton of time there last year and I didn't really get to talk about this game much after I went last year. But uh, so the game is called Dead Years from Studio Zero Byte. Uh, it's an indie game. It's like a post-apocalyptic action adventure. Uh, you, it, it's you and your dog companion. So I, I it's starting to kind of feel like Fallout, which is unfortunate to them. Uh, open world, uh, fun story with multiple endings. I, I played a demo for it, and it's you know it's it's actually kind of a fun game. Uh, I want to say it's coming out like across all platforms, like Steam, Xbox, PlayStation Network. Uh, you can play as the dog, which is huge. Hmm. I had more fun playing as the dog than as the person, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, it, it had a, a really fun aesthetic to it, and uh, so that's a game to have to look out for. Uh, I don't know what the price point's going to be when it launches. Uh, I would say it's probably not worth $30, but $20 is probably a reasonable price, and if they ever saw it on sale for like $10, I'd buy it. All so right. That's something to take a look at. As, I'm, I'm, as I've said, I'm kind of a sucker for post-apocalyptic open-world adventure games. Like, that's sort of like... Right I, I would in, never in be able kitchen. to tell by the movies we watch. <laughs> yeah. So, that's it was sort of right in my niche, so I might be looking at it more favorably than other people do because if you're like, well, I have fallout, why would I need this? And, and me, I'm like, I, you can never have enough this. So, mm -hmm. uh, that, and so there was on another game. I feel bad. I keep going back, but <laughs> I saw a ton of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it was a game called through the woods made by antagonist games. Uh, so that was kind of more like the, I, I would liken it to alone in the dark, kind of a third person exploration, looking for pages for a story. You have a flashlight that, you know, and there's other creatures out there and you can use the flashlight on them and there's no real weapons. So you got to run away. And it was, uh, you were in the woods and you're going through these cabins. Uh, not really my cup of tea, but for the people who are, it, it looked interesting and it was beautiful looking. Hmm. Uh, in the mobile world, and this is uh, this is on the App Store. If you're a big fan of Fear the Walking Dead, there was a game called Dead Run that actually looked pretty interesting. So, you, like your guy's running, 
and you're pointing and clicking on all the different zombies that are kind of running at you while you're trying to run away from them. Huh. It, it looked it looked like it would easily kill away in a doctor's office. That sounds. I, I'm sure it's not the same, but it sounds a little bit like. Uh, what is it? Uh, I'm trying to look this up real quick here. There's a. There's a. Yeah, I think this is it. It's a game by uh, Pickpock, the makers of uh, Robot Unicorn Attack, made uh-huh. a sort of first-person infinite runner called Into the Dead, uh, which. Uh, in that one, it's uh, yeah, like you're I, I've never through, heard of that. Yeah, in that one, it's another mobile one. You're running through a field, and and uh, there's zombies in front of you, and you have to try to weave your way through them. Okay, yeah, this is kind of like you're running, and you just you're trying to kill the zombies so that they can get out of your way, and so they'll run at you from all different sides. Ah, uh, like from the background, from the left, from the right. Okay. So yeah, I mean, it, it looked really, really fun. Um, I played it for about a few seconds and then I saw it was like only for the app store and like as a non Apple user, I was like, oh, well then forget you. And I walked away. <laughs> so I don't know if it's going to get an Android release. Android's funny like that. Sometimes I, I knew yeah. the risk when I took that <laughs> path. So I, I try not to get upset because I'm like, I, I, I knew what was out there. All right. Uh, any other things that are uh, coming to your mind late in the game here? Uh no, I'm I'm flipping through my notes. Anything else that I have not mentioned doesn't really deserve a mention. All right, they um, did they weren't able to hit the uh the break even of attention. Exactly. Line. Yes. Okay. Um all right, and I don't think I have anything more to ask. So uh let's uh let's go into our usual uh end of show story from the industry. Um and I've got one this one uh, this time I think you told you told one last time, right? Yeah. Okay. I, I have another one saved up, by the way. I anticipated this event. <laughs> well, I actually have a story that's uh, that's uh, 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 trade show related. Okay, oh, excellent. So, so we'll say it's it's pretty it's a pretty small story, but it, it kind of goes to show how surprisingly small the industry can be, uh, mm-hmm. despite the fact that you can go to a, an actual industry show and it'll be crushed with like thousands of people. And yet you you wind up keep on meeting the same people because uh, a few years ago uh, we were working on a an iOS. It was a game that involved being on iOS. And there was an issue that just people were reporting this crash and they were like writing help desk tickets about it. Uh, we had analytics reports we knew people were crashing it was crashing on startup they just couldn't get in and we had absolutely no idea what was causing it until after a long time we realized only only ios users with jailbroken devices could have this crash happen on them because a very common uh thing to install on a jailbroken device i believe it was called winterboard which did some uh, 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 like custom backgrounds and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was causing it, it was causing a conflict with uh, some. It wasn't even with the game itself; is with some other technology that the game was on top of. So, I mean, we couldn't control either end of this. So, there was actually at least four parties involved in this problem. There was the game, there was the hardware, there was the jailbreak software, and then there was this third-party software that the game was using. And the two that we weren't involved with were causing the problem. (laughs) So, this was around the time of, it was either GDC 
or WWDC, I think it was GDC, but the actually the head engineer of the game was at the show and through completely random chance, uh, Sarek, who is the guy behind Cydia, which is pretty much synonymous with jailbroken iOS devices. It's it's the jailbroken uh, uh, app store, basically. The developer of this, who is also the developer of Winterboard, by the way, I believe, uh, was in line behind him or in front of him or something, like immediately, like the next person there. And they just happened to overhear the discussion and they started talking to each other. And he's like, oh, I didn't realize that was a problem. I'll fix that like in the next week. (laughs) How does that how does that kind of stuff happen when your industry is a lot smaller than you think it is? Yeah, not the longest uh, story, but we've had a pretty long episode. So I think a short one's fair. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I think so. Any final thoughts? (laughs) Uh, nope that was it for me <laughs> let it be known judge greg's last thought is i like dollies you can go ahead and put that on my tombstone <laughs> all right then thanks for joining us this week thanks uh thank you to uh greg for joining me and no talking problem. about this stuff uh if uh, you'd like to hear me talk about anything here on behind the line radio or talk about anything on a behind the line article uh, depending on, I suppose, which medium the topic uh, lends itself to better. Uh, you can always get in touch with me at uh, kinetic at enthusiacs.com. That's K-Y-N-E-T-Y-K at enthusiacs.com. And I hope you'll join us next week for the next Behind the Line article and in two weeks for the next Behind the Line radio. See you next time, everybody. Night, everybody. <laughs> Just got to get the last word in, huh? I sure do. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the Line Radio is presented by Enthusiacs.com. For more podcasts, let's plays, articles, videos, reviews, and more, visit us at Enthusiacs.com. Also, send us a comment on Twitter at Enthusiacs. View us on YouTube, channel Enthusiacs, and like us on Facebook, Enthusiacs. <laughs>